Hey, this is Uriah Crawford. Um, one of the biggest things that that I sometimes question is, well, why, why go to church? Why go? What, what's the purpose of it? What is the purpose of church? Why are we going? Is it is it simply to be a better person? Is it to feel better? Is it to is it to talk about Jesus? What what is it? And of course, the answer is Christ. Uh, the only purpose for the gathering of the saints, for the gathering of believers, is Christ. It's to exhort each other. It's to help each other. But ultimately, all things point to Christ. And that's why I want to be a part of the gospel perspective. You are listening to the Gospel Perspective Podcast, a media ministry focusing on the new covenant and a message of the grace of God through faith in Jesus plus nothing. You can find more of our resources on thegospelperspective.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. My, uh, my parents uh, started going to church, I, I think, uh, when I was about second grade or so. I started looking for different churches. I know we were invited to a uh, Baptist church, great church. We started going there. It wasn't the first church that we had visited. I know we had gone to a, a bunch of different ones, but uh, some just had uh, theology issues. Uh, some had uh, other issues. But anyways, we, we, we found a church and that preached the gospel of, of Christ. And um, I know that uh, my, my dad was already saved. He had trusted Christ already at a, a younger age. I think when he was a teenager, didn't really live for Christ or as some would say, and um, my mom got saved, I think, when I was about eight years old. And about a year later, I trusted Christ as my Savior. Uh, my dad came in one evening from a Bible study and showed me what we call the Romans Road, uh, that, that I was indeed a sinner in need of a Savior. And I, I remember I, I, I prayed there, trusted Christ as my Savior, and have never doubted it since. Uh, my life indeed was changed. You know, it was it was kind of interesting. Before that, I was, you know, I was already going to church, kind of, uh, you know, wearing the clothes, you know, carrying my Bible, memorizing the verses, singing all of the hymns. And, uh, but, but I remember I, I read my Bible in the evenings. I don't remember if it was something I was told to do. I honestly, I, I think I just wanted to, cause I heard, you know, the teaching of it and, but I, I didn't understand it because it, there was the, the writer was, was not a part of my life. Christ was, was not a part of my life. And I remember the moment I got saved, when I went to my room and I was reading that evening, the Bible changed. It was, it was alive. It was, it was more real. And uh, that was what, one of the first things that I remember after trusting Christ in my Savior. We continued going to church. Um, my dad's retired military. Mom works uh, uh, for, for the government. So we moved around a lot. And we'd always be looking for, uh, you know, for a church wherever we went to, got to see missionaries, you know, while we were overseas in Germany, just, just all the different churches. But I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to be an engineer. I still enjoy that type of thinking. I understand I love understanding how things work, why they work. And I wanted to go into architectural engineering. I applied to several different Ivy League schools, got scholarships to some of them. But I honestly, I, I just wasn't at peace about uh, about it. And I remember just just praying, uh, God, where should I go? What should I do? I, I believe that God pressed upon my heart to actually go to a Christian college. So I was like, OK, well, let me find a Christian college that has engineering. And it, it became pretty obvious that it was either going to be all of one or all of the other. There were colleges that were Christian in name, um, you know, but but they, they they weren't really 
what, what I would call a, a Bible-focused college. They, they didn't focus on both. So it was, I was going to get kind of, you know, watered down of both, or I had to jump all in with one or the other. And I knew I wanted to go to Bible college. I, I, I believed that's where, what God wanted me to do. And I, I remember getting up the next day and I, I told my, my, my dad first, uh, and, uh, he was very supportive and we started looking and, and I went to, um, decided to go to Hiles Anderson college. Howells Anderson College in 2006, uh, it was, we are going to do all that we can to reach the world. And, you know, there was preaching on how others are, are falling, falling off and falling away, if you will, and, and just not getting the job done for, for reaching the world for Christ. And, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, I mean, just jumped, jumped all in, enjoyed the bus ministry, investing my time, my life into uh, other people there in, in, uh, different areas of Chicago and uh, learning how to work with and lead other, you know, other college students as a bus captain. And, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, certainly younger and dumber and made mistakes. Uh, but, but all in all, I, I really enjoyed my time there. Were you, did you uh, graduate in four years or how long were you there? Cause I mean, I went to the same college. Not a lot of people graduated in four years. You know, some people went longer. Um, I think it took me like a, a four years and a half a year, you know, another extra half a year to graduate. Did you, were you able to be done in uh, four years? Yeah. It, so it did take me a, a four and four and a half years. It was a half a semester that I, I uh, was not in college. So yeah, it took a four and a half years. I, I didn't find, it wasn't the academics that was, that was hard. I mean, the academic, honestly, the academics, it's among the easiest, uh, you know, when I was in high school, I was always taking, you know, the AP, you know, advanced placement classes and, and, uh, you know, toward 10th, 11th, 12th grades, I was actually taking some of the, some of the college classes and, and this is nothing against them. It's, you know, it, uh, nothing against the college. I'm just, just noting that the, the academics was, was not hard. It was this schedule. You, you, you've class, 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 chapel class. And, you know, so you've got five hours there and then you'd either, a lot of guys would, would drive up to Chicago 45 minutes or South Bend or, you know, different places and, and then work an eight hour shift there and then come back. Uh, and get some semblance of studying in, uh, you know, before you pass out and wake up a few hours later and, and do it again. And then the weekends, huh? <laughs> and then the weekends. And honestly, it was like, we, we looked, I, I, I'll speak for myself. I looked forward to the weekends. It was, you know, it was kind of the idea that everything that we learn, we, we get to apply on the weekend. And, um, you know, the weekend, you know, you start early, we've got uh, the bus meeting, and then you, you got the bus divisions, we'd have the vision meeting. And after that, we'd have our our, our bus routes and we'd have the, the route meetings. And, you know, then we'd drive a uh, 45. Uh, well, first, my first bus route was out in Joliet. We'd drive almost an hour to, to get there. And then later it was in Chicago. And, uh, you know, we'd drive an hour to get there. And I mean, we, we would spend, it would be, it would be past dark before, before we called it quits. And, and honestly, I just, I didn't know any better. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I, uh, very precious memories to me. Uh, but, you know, I remember it would be seven, eight, a uh, couple times, you know, nine o'clock in, in Chicago, in Chicago, mind you. And, you know, we, we'd, uh, you know, most people, when they see the, the group of guys, uh, you know, on the ball court at eight, nine o'clock, you know, they're like, oh, let's go on the next street. And we, we'd be like, no, no. Hey, throw me the ball. Let's, let's, yeah. let's play. And we just, I, I don't know if it's stupidity or if it was just boldness or, or whatever, but and, and honestly, we, we'd see uh, people saved, you know, by the dozens. It was, it was again, very precious memories. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I remember, so uh, 
my my last bus route was in Inglewood, and it's uh, you know Inglewood and West Side are, are probably the highest crime rates in Chicago, and um, or is it a uh, uh, anyways? But I, I remember we were we we're walking down, and there's no street lights on this particular particular street, and uh, you know the police uh, two squad cars they're just patrolling, you know, rolling very slowly down the street, and they put their spotlight on us, and you know we're we're out there, you got you know, the rubber sole dress shoes and, uh, you know, shirt and tie. And, uh, they, they, you could just see the quizzical looks on their face and they're like, are, are y'all okay? You know, are, are you lost? And uh, I, I think at this time I was maybe a junior, uh, maybe even a senior, but, and I was like, no, sir, no, sir. We're, we're just visiting some folks that, that go to our church. And, and he's like, uh, you know where you're at, right? I was like, uh, yeah, we've, we've been visiting here for years. And he's like, um, uh, He's like, it's, this is not safe for you. And I said, honestly, sir, I, you probably agree with me. I said, it, it's probably safer for us here than it is for you. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know how to take that, but you might have a point. And they just drove off. <laughs> ah. oh, and, wow. uh, and well, and it, it was, you know, there were areas where, you know, we would do drop offs after the night bus and, you know, somebody would throw a, a brick or a bottle through the, the bus window as we're dropping off. And yeah. um, I, I remember that happened one time and and I was like, OK, I, I think we, we have a way to solve that. So the very next Saturday we, we went, and you know, a group of eight of us or so, we, we just knocked that street and the street next to it and the, the street across from it, and north, south, east, knocked all the streets and then the week after that we knocked them again and then we knocked them again and it became you know one of the most productive uh um areas where people would would end up coming to church and everybody knew us hey it's it's the church people the church people are coming but uh anyway so many stories but yes indeed very very precious uh memories uh to me i i I met uh, my wife at the time there um moved uh ended up moving here to uh to north carolina and got involved in in the church and um, absolutely loved my, my time here, um, moved to uh, Twin Rivers Baptist Church with, uh, uh, uh Pastor Jeff Owens and, uh, what you know, year, my, my what year did you move in? Uh, so this would have been 20, uh, 2014, summer 2014. Okay. And you graduated from Hiles Anderson in what year? Uh, graduated in 2010, uh, stayed in the area for a while, uh, okay. continued working on the bus route, interned at the church for a while, pastored one of the uh, chapels up there in Chicago for, for a short time, then, then moved uh, very, very briefly, went down to see my parents uh, for a couple months in, in Alabama and, and moved up here to, to North Carolina. Honestly, it was, uh, it, it, was, it was one of those things where uh, I knew ex- exactly it was what I wanted to do, jumped in headlong, uh, got involved. Uh, everywhere that I could and, and just love being involved. You know, uh, sometimes it felt like I've spent more time at, at uh, in the ministries at church than I did at my, my regular job, you know, almost, almost not, not quite the, the same schedule, you know, as far as Saturdays, but uh, still I, I would imagine, you know, easily, you know, 15 hours, you know, just on the weekend uh, with, with all the Saturday and Sunday ministries and events and, um, you know, every time the doors were open, just, just wanted to be there, be a part of everything that was going on. And to be honest, I absolutely loved it. My, my personality, you know, I mentioned it's, it's, I, I've always been the kind of person that wants to understand how things work and why they work. And, you know, even as a, as a kid, I, I was, I wouldn't call myself rebellious, but definitely curious. I, I want, I just, I just needed, felt the need to understand uh, everything. 
And, you know, I, I've remained that way with, with just about every, every subject that, that I come across. I, you know, uh, people think that I absolutely love math. I, I don't love it. I just, I, it, I, I don't quit until I can understand it. And once I understand it, it's, it's not quite as, as interesting to me, but math was always, you know, something I absolutely love. Um, Bible doctrines, very, very similar. You know, even when I was in, in college, those that were, you know, my soul winning partners, or we'd, we'd be in a car anywhere together, they, they can testify. We, we would talk about just about every subject and, and try to prove or disprove it in the Bible and, uh, you know, why we do certain things. And I, I guess one of the things that I eventually came to, to learn found to be very important is, you know, a lot of times for, for those of us that teach from the Bible or preach from the Bible, you can almost grab any topic, found that topic, you go in the Bible and try to find somewhere in the Bible that, that speaks on that topic and agrees with that topic. And it was almost like we were taught that way. I, I won't say that directly, but, you know, when um, if you pick up some of the, you know, the notable books on, on preaching, it's it's uh, it's sometimes mentioned in, in those books. And, and and that's kind of the way that I, I learned. Uh, but when when you actually take the Bible and you read the Bible as it's written, you've got, you know, kind of the history with uh, Genesis through through Deuteronomy and, and really a, a lot of the Old Testament. It's it's a recording of things that happen. Um, it's uh, that you've got poetry like Psalms and Song of Solomon. You, you've you've got uh, the history of the prophets. And uh, and then you come to the New Testament. You, you find uh, you, mo- you find more history recordings, uh, different testimonies of of. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the life of Christ, and then a number of letters uh, from Paul and 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 others uh, to different churches and different groups. But but not until I, I started to to truly take those into consideration. You know, I, I remember when I was very young, and I don't know if it was my dad or if it was in Sunday school. Uh, you know, they were teaching uh, this is how you read the Bible. You have to consider, you know, who's writing it, who, who's writing that that either piece of history, if you will, and. And I don't, I don't mean to make it seem unholy or anything like that, but you know, who, whoever God used to write that particular book or letter, um, you know, who, who wrote it and, and who are they writing to if, if, uh, they're, they're, if they're writing a letter, what was their purpose? What were they addressing? And, you know, all, so, so often I, I never considered that. I never considered who, who was writing, what they were addressing, what, what they were writing about and writing to. That's very important in the context, you know, that you're talking about. For for example, we'll take we'll take a verse, you know, in Proverbs eleven thirty, and he that wins his souls is wise. And you know, we'll apply it today and we'll we'll take that to mean, hey, you gotta go knocking on doors. And if you go knocking on doors, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be wise, you know, and you tell people about Jesus. And uh, you know, the author of, of Proverbs had not <laughs> he did not have that in mind when he wrote it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. And, and you know, Solomon, wait, an incredible, you know, incredible mind. But you know, you, you mentioned that verse, you look at that verse and the surrounding verses, and, and you're just understanding uh, you know, Solomon was talking about relationships and, and it has nothing to do with winning people to Christ, nothing in the chapter does. And uh, you know, of course, Christ was not there. There is certainly things uh, in the Old Testament uh, that Old Testament does point to Christ, but you're, you're exactly right. And and so many things, so many verses that that you know that that we use, and it's just completely uh, we 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 use them as though they're written to us. You know, we 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 read uh, you know much of the Old Testament as we call it as as though it was written to you know us Americans in 2021, 
And the, the truth is, you know, some of the promises, many of the promises uh, can apply to us, but but they weren't written to us or, or for us. And, and they weren't promises given to us. And it's it, it's it's so important to to understand as as we as we read that and, and and try to understand that. So you know the the new te- the Old Testament you know in New Testament the the word New Testament is synonymous with the word you know New Covenant. Um, you know in the dictionary is is the same thing. So like you know when we go to buy a house, um, uh, we we sign papers. You know there's a deal made there. There's conditions. There's terms. Um, and you actually. Yeah, it's a contract. And you put your name on those terms and conditions and agree to them. So what, that's what we find in the scripture is that that's what a testament is. Same thing as like a will and a testament. Hopefully, every I, I have one. I have one right now. Like uh, if, if I were to even, you know, be incapacitated somehow, but still alive, I even have one to where I've agreed. Uh, I've made a covenant. I've made a testament. Um, that if I cannot make decisions for myself, that others will go ahead and carry out my wishes for me. So really what it is, is I'm putting down my desires on a piece of paper and I am signing my name um, to that uh, to that agreement. Well, that's what God did. So um, if there's a new covenant, you know, then, then, then that means that there's an old covenant, you know, um, right. there's something that it's new from and the Bible talks about that. And uh, Hebrews talks about that. Um, So there had to be a starting point and an ending point to the covenant, to the old covenant, you know, to the new covenant. There has to be a starting point. Talk about the starting point. What makes, you know, how do you start a covenant? In Hebrews 8, it it talks about the new covenant and it establishes the new covenant. In Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and 10, it talks about the first covenant and the second covenant. And it says that a covenant is made in blood. God accepts only blood when making a covenant. So really what happened was the first covenant was made in blood. You'll find in Exodus 19 through 24 that God gave conditions to the children of Israel specifically. It was a deal between God and the children of Israel specifically that it concerned the keeping of the law. If they kept the law, he would bless them. If they broke it, he would curse them with a curse, right? Then they sealed that deal by killing goats, bulls and goats. Moses took the blood of the bulls and goats. You'll find this all in Hebrews. Moses took the blood of the bulls and the goats and sprinkled them on the tabernacle, on the people, and on the book of the law. The whole law. He didn't He didn't segregate the law like, oh, this is the moral law. You know, we'll, we'll set that to the side for later on. Or this is the ceremonial law. Or, you know, no, he took the blood. And he sprinkled it all over the book, the whole book, right? And so God does, said, I think, you know, I think the thing is because, you know, a lot of people understand that, you know. Yeah. So where did the old covenant end and the new covenant begin? Are we still under the old covenant? So, yeah, like the, the establishment of, upon the fact that the first covenant was made in blood, super important that you understand that because the second covenant, the new covenant was made in more precious blood. Mm-hmm. It was made in the blood of Jesus. So we see that in the book of Hebrews, number one, a covenant is not made without blood. Number two, that the covenant begins when the person dies. Mm. The blood is shed, right? So like Hebrews 7, 22, Jesus was made surety of a better testament. And then Hebrews 9, 16 also talks about the, the death of a testator, 
So when, when that testator dies, that's when it comes into force. That's when it comes into effect. And I know what a lot of people probably are thinking right now. They're probably thinking, so you mean the New Testament doesn't start in Matthew chapter one? According to scripture, no, it doesn't. It starts when Jesus sheds his blood and dies. And that's when God makes the new covenant. So then in Hebrews 10, 9, and this is the point that I guess I wanted to really make um, when you're asking this question. The point I really want to make is Hebrews 10, 9 says that Jesus took away the first so that he could establish the second. He took away the old covenant. He fulfilled it. And then the Bible literally says it was disannulled, taken away, waxing old, and he established another covenant. Wow, that's 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 huge right there, because, you know, um, I mean, we can misunderstand it and think, OK, yeah, you have the old and the new and, you know, the new maybe it's just an addendum to the old, you know, or the new to the old and the old is still, you know, God's word and it's inspired and, you know, we can still take God's words and apply it to our life. But you're saying that in Hebrews 10, 9, it says that Jesus has removed the first and established the second. Am I hearing you correct? Yeah. Paul gives an allegory. And in that allegory, he explains two things. He's, he explains Abraham's mistress, Hagar, and Abraham's wife, Sarah. The child from Sarah was the one that was promised to Abraham, right? It was the promised son. But then Abraham, he messed up and he, made, he had a child with Hagar. That was not the promised son. It was not the one that God intended for Abraham to have. Paul in Galatians 4 says that these two people, Sarah and Hagar, represent these covenants. Hagar is the covenant from Mount Sinai. Now, what came from Mount Sinai? The mm-hmm. law, the Man. old covenant. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Sarah is the, is the one that bore the promise. He, he draws this allegory and he says, cast out the bondwoman. She represents something that was not supposed to be permanent. That's Paul's words. Those are not yeah. my words. That's what yeah. God wrote. That's what God said through Paul. Cast out the bondwoman. What does the bondwoman represent? It represents the old covenant. Why? Because we have something better, something that was actually promised. Because Hagar was never a permanent solution. She was a mistake, actually. So, and a lot of people, what they'll do is they won't, they will misunderstand the terms and conditions of these covenants. Some people would say, oh, but you still have to keep the moral law of the Old Testament. Okay, first off, Old Testament, when you say those words, you're talking Old Covenant, a covenant that wasn't made with you, especially if you're a Gentile. You weren't involved in that. You weren't even invited to it. And the Old Covenant, it contained in its terms and conditions, the book of the law. So when Jesus made the first covenant old, he made the book of the law the commandments, all of the structure of that, the book of the law for the children of Israel, it's now obsolete because we have something better to live by. Mm -hmm. That's Christ in you. That's part of the new covenant. That's the terms and conditions of the new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's huge right there to understand. And that's what new, the new covenant is, you know, that's, that's a big difference between the new covenant and the old covenant. Um, I don't know if you're, you can speak a little bit to this, but, um, you know, so what's the big, I mean, if it's the same God, 
you know, the same God that established the first is the same God that established the second covenant, you know, then what's the big deal? Then what is the big difference between the covenant? Why the, the dramatic difference, you know, in, in covenant, why the big argument, why the big dilemma? Um, what's the big difference, Uriah? Sure. Well, well I, I mean, you have to consider, so, so I also do real estate and, you know, in, in real estate, I, I've got one right now where I've got a contract with a, a lady and I have uh, written down what I'm going to do or perform. And she has written down what she is going to do or perform. And, and all throughout the Bible, God, God has given similar promises. You know, he, he gave a promise to, to Noah that he'd not uh, flood the earth again uh, with water. Now, that was a promise that, that, he, that God made. There was nothing uh, re- uh, required from the other end. Uh, he, he made a, a covenant w- with uh, David that is uh, that uh, that is descendants of David would would reign over, uh, on the throne over the people of God. Uh, that that was God saying what He's going to do with Moses. The the covenant that God made with Moses, God essentially said, "This is a covenant between me and you. I will be your God. I will bless you if you do these things. If you do these things, this is going to be the result." The problem was that the people, you, you look throughout all of the Old Testament and you see over and over that the people were not keeping their end of this bargain, of this contract, of this covenant. God would keep his end and did keep his end, but the children of Israel did not keep their end. Uh, they would turn away from God. The Bible says they would go a-whoring after other gods and, and, and they would continually be punished for it. And this was a continual cycle over and over um, where where God brought different people to try to bring them back to essentially keep their end of this this covenant, and it was a it was a covenant made between God and the children of Israel, the Hebrews, uh, the Jews, if you will. Uh, it was never inclusive of of other races or or nations or peoples, just just the uh, uh, just just the Jews. So the difference with the new covenant is that with the new covenant, God made the contract with Himself. It was God and and the other side, if you will, is is Christ. You, you have God and Himself. And the thing that makes us so much of a difference with the new covenant is God does not require our performance for the new covenant. God does not require our righteousness for the new covenant. Uh, Christ performed that righteousness. Uh, it was it was Christ that that lived and and did everything. So whereas before, if we were Jews, if we were included there. We would have to keep all of the 613 laws and we would have to, you know, uh, continue to perform all of that righteousness. The difference now is that that righteousness has been completed. It's been completed for someone on our behalf. From a practical standpoint of view and as a believer in 2021, the biggest difference in the old and the new is Jesus. Jesus was not in the old covenant. Um, Not that Jesus didn't exist. I mean, he's the word of God. Uh, he was there at the beginning. He was there at creation. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that now the new covenant what is more is better and is more precious because it was established with the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, he is the ultimate sacrifice. Like you were saying, now the new covenant is not based on our performance and obedience to the law. Now the new covenant is based upon the performance uh, of and obedience of Jesus Christ. The new covenant totally changed my view and perspective. It changed my, uh, of God. It changed my relationship and how I relate to God. I know God, you know, in the New Testament and the Old Testament has always 
related to man based on faith. You know, I know that. And I'm not saying that God relates to us differently now, um, but we relate to God differently now. We don't relate to God based on the on our performance or in our obedience of, of the law. So that changed my life completely. That totally changed my approach uh, of my perspective on God. Um, and I'll be talking a little bit about my testimony uh, probably in the next episode. But um, I grew up, you know, in church. I grew up around religion and it was a different mentality. It was a, a performance-based mentality. And, uh, and, and it wasn't that, you know, I, I think I matured to the point that it wasn't that I'm doing it to gain God's approval, but I'm doing it because, and you'll hear this a lot, oh, I work or I perform because I love God or to show my love towards God. And the new covenant would say to that, it has nothing to do with you or your love for God, the gospel says it has everything to do with God's love towards you. That's huge. Mm-hmm. So that's what changed. That's what changed in, in, in my life, a perspective, just a point of view. Now, no longer am I working uh, to please God or because I love God. I'm working as a response. It is a response, but that's not, you know, I have nothing to do with what happened to me, with my new nature, with my new mind, with my new heart, you know, with the new covenant. I have nothing to do with that. That's everything that God has done for me. So my relationship with God is totally different. Now I don't feel I work for God or I have to do it for God or I have to show God that I love him or prove my love towards God. Now it's a life of freedom, a life of worship, a life of praise. And I believe that's what the believer's life ought to look like. Okay, there's a new covenant. Does that mean that the old covenant writings, all the Old Testament writings, are they not inspired? Are they not important? Definitely that the Old Testament is inspired. Definitely. It is the word of God, 100%. It is profitable. The Old Mm -hmm. Old Testament is profitable uh, for rebuke, for instruction in righteousness. Here's the biggest thing. And before I get into how I interpret scripture now because of the new covenant, one last thing that I wanted to say that it did for me is that now under the new covenant, my sin, this is so important, no longer separates me from God. It's not a roadblock anymore. And that used to be my religious mentality before too. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in the next episode too. But, you know, I always had to be trying to cleanse myself, come to the altar and, and, and repent, you know, of my sin. But in the, under the new covenant, you know, our sins are remembered no more. We are forgiven once and for all. And, uh, in the old covenant, that was a huge thing. Your, your sins did separate you from God until you, um, offered a sacrifice. But to answer your question, Tyler, I think what mentality is more prevalent uh, in today's Christianity, 2021, in American culture, in America, the mentality that is most prevalent, not just in, in independent fundamental Baptist circles, uh, not just in non-denominational Christianity, not just in Baptist or Pentecostal or whatever whatever denomination you want to put throw in there, the number one or the most prevalent mentality is the old covenant mentality. Even in the prosperity gospel, even in the um, inspirational, motivational type of you know uh, pastors that we have, there's always Old Testament, Old Covenant theology. 
and a mentality there. It's a law, law-based, work-based mentality. You know, you know, before before I understood the the new covenant, before I truly understood what Christ did for me, how that changes uh, who I am, how that changes my desires, how that changes everything about me, um, I, I still felt like, even though I trusted Christ as my Savior at the age of nine, I, I still felt like, and, and even more as I went to Bible college and 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 everything like that, and heard uh, you know all the preaching, I still felt as though I was responsible for my own righteousness after salvation. That that Christ saved me, that He cleansed me, that He forgave me of all of my sin, and 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 now that I'm saved, I have to, in a sense, kind of prove myself to to, to God and to others, uh, prove my righteousness. And, and I think the the problem, the the, the mistake is is that our, our righteousness at no point ever came from ourselves. Even after salvation, it, it, it doesn't. It's always Christ. When we trust Christ as our Savior, His righteousness is, is within us. And it, you know, when we trust Christ as our Savior, the, the, the fruit that we have, it's, it's from Christ. It's Him living within us, His Spirit within us, that produces that righteousness. It's, it's not me. It's, it's nothing that I do. It, you know, we, we show that in so many ways. We, we show that, and it was never us. Yeah, that that yeah. that didn't give us righteousness before we trusted Christ. Right. Um, and, and it can't after, you know, and this is something new that I that I've seen, you know, people saying to to what you, the point that you're making, you know, when we say under the new covenant, you know, in our position in Christ is we're perfect, holy and righteous. We're not saying we're not talking about sinless perfection. People think all of a sudden, oh, so you don't believe you don't sin. And usually it's 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 performance based people because the first thing that they go to is their performance, you know, and right. it's nothing to do with our performance. You know, um, of course, I want to just be straight up. We're not talking about sinless perfection for anybody out there thinking that, oh, you know, Hector, Uriah and Tyler do not sin anymore because they think they're perfect. Yes. Mm-hmm. Under God's eyes you know, we are perfect in, you know, we are positionally, you know, we are perfect in Christ. Um, but it's because of Christ not to do anything. It has nothing to do because of us. You know? Um, I heard somebody said one time, you know, Hey, you know, so you think you're uh, talking about another person. And he mentioned the name of the other person. And he said, so-and-so think you think you're so perfect because God thinks you're because, because God sees you as perfect. I'm like, that's good enough for me. You know, if God sees me, that's <laughs> yeah. perfect, okay, that, that's pretty good. You know, it's <laughs> good. Yeah, that, that's, that's good enough for me. And you can find this all throughout verse upon verse upon verse about what the Old Absolutely. Testament talks about the Old Testament. And you can go on the gospel perspective. You can go on the webpage. There's blogs on it. You know, I know you have a certain blog that has over 45, you know, scripture verses on on you know what the new testament says about the old uh uh testament and it's they're, they're not very i mean they're not soft they're not politically correct it's it's some strong words some strong languages you know and you can go on the gospel perspective for that now we all we started with you know how my relationship with god is different because the the new covenant another thing that's different is the way i interpret scripture is different because of the new covenant um so when I'm reading a, a passage, I was taught in college, you know, context, 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 you know, three rules for Bible interpretation, context, context, context. I would add another context to that. And that context is in what covenant was it written? Because depending on the covenant that it was written, it means something else, you know, 
Um, it means something totally different. Um, Jesus said in John 5, 39, you search the scriptures. He's talking to Pharisees and he's referring to the Old Testament. Those are the only scriptures written at the time that in that in them, you might find life. And he says this, he says, but the scriptures testified of me. So this is how it changed. This is how everything changed, uh, how I interpret scripture. So now when I'm reading about David and Goliath, it's no longer seven ways on how to defeat my giants. David represents Jesus Christ. David is talking about Jesus and how Jesus defeated my giants for me, not how I defeat my giants. So, you know, we put ourselves, (laughs) it's just all about us. We put ourselves in these Bible characters that are not meant to represent us. We put ourselves, oh, and be an Elijah, be a Moses, be a David, you know? No, we were never meant to be them. Those were all pictures of Jesus Christ. You know, is the Old Testament inspired? Is it the word of God? 100%. But since the context, one of the contexts of the Old Testament is that it's the Old Testament, then now I know that everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. And that, 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 that's big. We no longer read the Old Testament, you know, oh, okay, it says to sacrifice goats and lambs. Let's sacrifice goats and lambs. It says women should not wear men's clothing. And, and you know, okay, so um, that means that, you know, if you go back to the context, it does not mean that women shouldn't wear pants. <laughs> you know, that's not what it what it's saying. So, you know, you got to go into the context and that's, that's Old Testament. Yes. Does it, is it God's character? Yes. Is it the holiness of God? You know, do we see God's character and his holiness through it? Yes, most definitely. But it wasn't to us. It's under the old, uh, it's an old covenant. And um, you can, you can live under the old. You're more than welcome to, but I choose to live in God's freedom. And I choose to, I choose Jesus. Jesus plus nothing, not Jesus plus the law, not Jesus plus the Old Testament, Jesus plus nothing. And uh, it's a great life of freedom. While this episode of The Gospel Perspective is over, the discussion is not. You can go over to our Facebook page for this podcast and become a part of the community. Ask any questions you may have or reach out to us on our website at thegospelperspective.com. 